0: It is Thursday, the 25th day of March, 2021. Uh, I have a ton of shit to talk about today. A ton. Honestly, my cup is runneth over with topics. However, I am woefully unprepared. So, get ready. For what could very well be the uh, least prepared episode in the history of this dumb show. Um, But in the middle, I have a guest this week, and I am fucking pumped to share this interview with you guys. It was excellent. Uh, I'm going to be joined by Brittany Collins, a former UMass uh, women's tennis player, current... Uh, WTA tennis pro I get to put that in my bio that I interviewed a tennis pro I'm very happy about that thank you again Britt Um, but anyways she's fighting well not just her but uh, UMass as a whole and and her specifically she seems to to be sort of the figurehead for this fight uh, against the NCAA so I'm very excited to talk about that a little bit more and also to bring you the interview because it actually was pretty good mainly on her side um, I was using a headset that sounded terrible. So there's a couple sniffles and grunts in there. So get ready. Uh, all of that and way more. Like almost too much shit on this episode. Episode number 68. The Yarmir Yager episode of the show. Yarmir, people can, you know, talk about fucking Tom Brady uh, being 44 and pump his tires and whatnot. But guess what? Yarmir Yager. Just turned 49 years old, and he's still playing professional hockey. Granted, he's playing in the Czech League, but the Czech League is no joke. All right? It's no joke. Um, He is playing for Kladno. I believe that's how it's pronounced. Kladno. Uh, fun fact, he owns the team. He's the owner and the team president, and he only plays home games. So you know, that's I, I got a kick out of that. Um, Twelve points in nineteen games. The guy's forty nine. That's unbelievable. They're gonna have to literally pull that dude off the ice because he'll never retire if he owns the fucking team. What's he gonna do? Hi, you can't take me off the team. I, I own the fucking team. The man is a machine. Boston Bruins legend along with however other many teams he played for, but whatever. Uh, fascinating dude. Funny as hell. Uh, number 68, one short of 69 because he's in charge. I don't even know if that joke makes any sense, but whatever. Um, Yeah, see, that's right. I mean, typically, this is the – I'm reading the script and – Giving you, giving you something. I got nothing. <laughs> it's going to be a lot of bullshit on the show today. So get ready. Uh, all that or more. I already said that. This is Complaints and Observations. The greatest podcast hosted by someone who knows so precious little about eh, almost everything. A journey into the mediocre mind of an exceptionally average person. This is Complaints and Observations with Dave LaPointe. Who the hell is Dave LaPointe? been a long time not really but uh how are you how's it going good yeah cool um so as i said i have a ton of shit that i wanted to talk about i was going to start by talking about ted cruz um and then i realized you know ted cruz is still a fuckwad and i like why do i why do i even waste my breath thinking about uh, that man I don't know I don't I don't I don't know yet somehow uh, I always hear him talking and yet i'm I'm constantly having to think about him it's it's mainly because everything that comes out of his mouth is fucking stupid yet somehow it just kind of goes to show you the the thinking of the GOP that he... Ted Cruz is the fucking mouthpiece of the party. Like, mean, have some fucking self-respect. Pick somebody else. You let the dumbest fucking people talk talk for you. You can't have Mitch McConnell do it because he sounds like he has fucking a, a dozen marbles in his mouth. So him talking for you is out of the question. There has to be a better speaker in the party. It's got to be. That isn't a complete fucking sociopath. Let Mitt Romney do it. At least he can speak. But, you know, he's, he's on the outside now, so it's going to be tough. Anyways, all right. So sort of falling in line with that. Topic number one, Florida. Florida is dumb. You might already know that. I hope you do. But Florida as a whole is stupid. Not everybody in Florida is stupid. Just Florida itself is stupid. Bugs Bunny had the right idea when he sawed off Florida and let it float to the ocean. But the governor there, you know, opening shit up. and If, if you saw what happened in Miami this week, you kind of have an idea of what the fuck I'm talking about. Because spring break was a zoo. It's usually a zoo. More so because it's the only fucking place in the country that kids can go. So, you know, the county had to fucking put in a curfew and I don't think they had to activate the National Guard, but they were probably pretty close. Spring Break is a concept that's sort of lost on me anyway, uh, because I never did it, number one. And then number two, I don't really see... I don't know. I mean, I understand the idea of like getting together and, uh, you know, having fun with your friends um, on vacation. But the thing that never resonated for me was, uh, you you know, growing up, I'd hear stories about people going to spring break and like, oh, yeah, there's seven of us in a hotel room. Like, how the fuck is that enjoyable? That's that's impossible. Like the logistics, they just don't work. Then again, you know, I'm a giant loser and didn't have seven friends that wanted to just fucking up and go to Florida in the middle of March. What can you do? So that's that. Um, Two, Dan Snyder of the Washington football team. This fucking, this fucking guy. He's a snake. And he continues to slither his way through the fucking mud. Three minority owners of the team. I, I wish I could remember the percentage, but it you know it was a reasonable percentage. They didn't, It wasn't like you know less than ten percent. It was a reasonable percentage. Um, you know, back back during the the team name kerfuffle, uh, got pretty pissed off, and they wanted they they tried to get the league to force Snyder to sell. Somehow it didn't work, and this fucking guy is still uh, still owns the team. Um. Anyways, yesterday, or actually, yeah, yesterday, he bought those three guys out. It was like seven hundred and fifty million bucks. So now Dan Snyder is the sole owner of the Washington Football Team. How how the fuck does that guy get dragged through the mud and dragged through shit, and and come out smelling like roses? The team is currently, uh, you know, undergoing an NFL investigation, which kind of gives you an idea of how this is going to turn out, where nothing's going to happen. He's going to get off scot-free. Crazy, just mind-blowing shit. You know, you think about, uh, like, for example. Uh, Jerry Richardson in Carolina. And I've talked about this before, how he was forced to sell the Panthers because, you know, he was a fucking creep. And so in this particular instance, Snyder's had to fire multiple people in his front office. He The team is under investigation. Yet here he is. He's able to fucking own 100% of the club. What was it about Jerry Richardson that the NFL didn't like that they absolutely apparently adore about Dan Snyder? No idea. Can't fucking figure it out. Um, three. A fucking cargo ship got stuck in the Suez Canal. That's right. Stuck. And caused a fucking traffic jam. I find uh, ocean logistics uh, somewhat fascinating for a multitude of reasons, but don't know a whole lot about it. I just find it very interesting. And so the pictures of this gigantic cargo ship with, uh, you know, thousands upon thousands of fucking crates on it stuck. In the Suez Canal. That's that's really all I have about that. This, this is the problem about being completely ill-prepared. Normally, I have a script. I don't have a script. I'm just reading off my notes. Which is not good. Because I'm going to fuck something up. And it's all just fucking bullshit. Sprayed on the fucking page. Like, uh, <laughs> I got nothing. Um... Oh, do I want to talk about that? I mean, I kind of don't, but it ties into the Ted Cruz thing. The, the the mass shootings that we've had in the last week, it's like, all right, oh, pandemic's over. We're going to go back to fucking killing a bunch of people in random places. Yeah, yay. It's typically, that's America. Huzzah. But I read something that was, was interesting, and it's like, you know, the Democrats are never going to let uh, they're never going to do what needs to be done to actually, you know, formulate some sort of productive gun control in this country because the de- Democrats are a bunch of pussies. So it just, will never, it'll never happen. They'll get scared into backing down, uh, every single time. So I read something that, you know, it, somehow there should be liability insurance tied to guns, it's like, all right, you buy a gun, you have to purchase liability insurance. And once insurance companies fucking start getting, getting involved, this shit would get cleaned up real quick. Because people won't be able to afford them, number one. And look, it's not going to solve the problem, obviously. Because people buying guns illegally aren't going to be like, oh shit, I got this illegal, <laughs> this illegal uh, Gatling gun. I better get it insured real quick. gatling gun hmm. yeah i just found that i found that to be an interesting sort of uh compromise keep your guns but you need liability insurance so if that gun kills somebody somebody can sue like oh okay well that that would that would solve some problems wouldn't it you would think but um, yeah okay i need to get organized this is fucking terrible this is worse than the usual show And the usual show is usually fucking ghastly. Ten minutes of word vomit is what you just got right there. As opposed to 50 to 60 minutes of word vomit that you usually get on this show. Blah. I had talked about uh, the monarchy, the British monarchy, uh, previously on the show. Uh, did a, a drop, uh, not an episode, uh, about it as well. Ooh, pardon. But I wanted to read, and I feel bad because this is old now. But uh, before I get to to the interview, I I wanted to get wanted to read this article, not not the article, but just the. Just the lead to this article from the Irish Times. It may be uh, the the single best uh, article lead that I've ever read. Like honestly, uh, I saw this and said, if I ever was going to write professionally, this is. I I, I wish that I could be half as good as this fellow, Patrick, <laughs> Patrick Irish last name. Patrick Freyne, F-R-E-Y-N-E. He's of the Irish Times. And it was a recap or a reaction uh, to the interview that uh, Harry, what do you call him? You don't call him Prince Harry anymore, right? Because they stripped him. What's his last name? Sussex? No. Windsor? Maybe Windsor. Huh. What's Harry's last name? His full name, Henry Charles Albert David? Okay, so he's the Duke of Sussex. What? See, this is what happens when they're all fucking inbred. This is terrible. His son's name, Archie Harrison... Mountbatten Windsor like what the fuck is that Windsor was his mother's maiden name so is his last name is 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 Harry wait so his first name isn't even fucking Harry it's Henry what oh I'm very confused technically does not have a last name on his birth certificate oh wait. Yeah, on his son's birth certificate, it says, Henry Charles Albert David, Duke of Sussex. Fuck off with all these people. Oh, my God. It's just so dumb. Like, the, the, the dude's 36 years old. He should come on and say, you know what? I'm going to have a last name like a normal person. What the fuck? And apparently he just took a job working for some Silicon Valley startup. What the fuck's his paycheck look like? Like, What's it going to say on the actual job? Oh, probably not going to get a check, but all right. So when he files taxes, what the fuck's he going to put on his tax return? These are questions that I'm sure I'm not the only one who asked. Anyways, all right, let's get back to the important. It's the lead to this article. <clears throat> Quote. Having a monarchy next door is a little like having a neighbor who's really into clowns and has daubed their house with clown murals, displays clown dolls in each window, and has an insatiable desire to hear about and discuss clown-related news stories. More specifically, for the Irish, it's like having a neighbor who's really into clowns and also your grandfather was murdered by a clown. End quote. How fucking amazing is that lead? I mean, it is just delightful. That's why I love the Irish. They are just just fucking salt of the earth, swell people. And that, that was just so goddamn good. It makes me so jealous. I wish I had a way with words like this, man. Good Lord. I wanted to read that last week and I didn't, and I apologize for, uh, for not doing so, but whew, that is so good. If you've ever wanted to be a writer of any kind, you should find that article, read the whole thing. You'll be smitten by the time you're done because it is just delightful. Um, all right. What else? What else did I want to talk? I want to talk about, briefly, the the Grammys, which I think I'd mentioned briefly the last time. Uh, Beyonce and Jay-Z's daughter, Blue Ivy, which is a terrible name. Cute kid, terrible name. Apparently, I I don't know if this is accurate or not, but she either won a, a Grammy or... Had a Grammy in her hands. I don't know. I don't know how old she is. Could it be, be like six or seven years old at this point? But um, there's a picture of her holding a Grammy and she's drinking something out of the Grammy with a straw, which I've, I'm surprised that no one has done this before. Maybe they have. I don't know. But in the picture, she's wearing a crown. I'm like, oh, well, whatever. That's that's an interesting photo. Funny picture. I didn't think anything of it. Then I find out. That um, the crown that she was wearing was the same crown uh, that the notorious B.I.G. was wearing in the last photo shoot he ever did. Now, you've seen the picture. It's a picture of Biggie, and the crown is on his head, and it's crooked because, you know, I I would imagine it had something to do with him being the king of rap at the time, which may or may not be uh, factual for some of you. But uh, there was an, a follow-up that, that said that someone had purchased the crown at auction, an unnamed buyer, for $600,000. 600000 Now, it didn't say specifically if Jay-Z purchased the crown, but I'm just going to go ahead and assume that he did because his daughter was Wearing the crown. But. um, I thought it was pretty interesting. I thought it was really cool. I thought the symmetry was nice. It made for an excellent picture. uh, For for Blue Ivy. Just you know. I hope when she gets older she picks one. Pick Blue or Ivy. I think Blue works. Ivy even works. I went to high school. I actually grew up with a girl named Ivy, but you got to pick one. I don't know. That's just me. What do I, I, I got a thing with names all of a sudden today. I can't figure it out. All right. Um, What I want to do is I want to get to the interview. So just a, 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 a touch of backstory on this. Okay. And she'll explain it way better than I will. But uh, as I said, they were infractions that were um, uh, took place a handful of years ago at UMass, where the NCAA deemed uh, inappropriate benefits for members of the men's basketball team and the women's tennis team. The, these were uh, financial aid errors. They were clerical errors, basically. And uh, the NCAA, the Committee on Infractions, uh, deemed these infractions to be punishable um, by stripping the wins across uh, two seasons, uh, 2016 and 2017, for the UMass um, women's tennis team. So they stripped all the wins that they had for those two seasons. And the 2017 uh, team actually was the uh, the A-10 champ. So they stripped the A-10 championship from them as well. All because of a clerical error. And uh, it just really sort of... It just adds to the bullshit that the NCAA has flung for a number of years. It really makes... It, it makes amateurism, as they like to call it, a sham. And it's been a sham for a number of years. And I have been a vocal proponent of of paying these kids, uh, you know, obviously sort of commiserate to to their sport. So football and basketball players on the men's side are going to make more or should make more because they're bringing in more for for the universities. That doesn't mean that kids in lower sports should be um, lower sports, kids in other sports, the lower revenue sports, I guess the best way you could put it should be excluded because they shouldn't. Uh, They should be able to do, they should be able to sort of go out and and market themselves, which is sort of like, um, you know, the, the big issue now with your name and likeness and the lawsuit and whatnot that's going, it's not a lawsuit, but, Um, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out because you're going to have kids that are playing in those lower revenue sports that are going to be able to market themselves, sort of rise above the sport. Now, in an instance like this, where there's a women's tennis team, I I see no reason why, uh, you couldn't have someone who's playing collegiate tennis at the division one level be head and shoulders better than everyone else, um, In the division and therefore able to market themselves better than everybody else and and sort of make a name for themselves, make money off of their name and their likeness. Now, in this particular instance, as you'll hear in the interview, uh, the NCAA has decided to sort of uh, wield their bullshit power to essentially... Uh, I can't even explain it very well. I, I, sh- I shouldn't even say that, but the frustration that I have with it, it has to be 10,000 times more from the people that are going through it. But to, to be a college athlete and have to deal with a situation like this that you'll hear about is honestly, it's fucking stupid. It's the only, when you hear this and you read this, That's the only reaction you can have. Wow. That's fucking stupid because that's what it is. It's fucking really stupid. It all, it it could have all been, uh, solved and taken care of and been done with by, you know, a simple phone call, a letter, uh, and accepting a fine and calling it a day, but nope. Uh, the NCAA and the committee on infractions. And let me tell you, I did a deep dive on the guy who runs this committee. Fuck. What a fucking tool shed this dude is. I don't get the Midwest. Apparently, this dude's from Indianapolis or or something along those lines. I don't know. He, he lives in Indianapolis because that's where uh, the NCAA is. But it's a very Indianapolis vibe. But, you know, and I mentioned in the interview that he retweeted Darren Revelle without... Irony. Darren Ravel sucks. <laughs> that dude fucking sucks. I mean, if you're like a Darren Ravel fan, you suck. Sorry to say it. Darren fucking Ravel. Get out of here. Anyways, uh, here's the interview. Uh enjoy. Alright. Uh ladies and gentlemen, I am thrilled. Uh, to be joined by a great guest uh, to talk about one of my favorite or uh, least favorite subjects, the NCAA Uh, Please welcome to the show former UMass women's tennis player and current WTA professional, Brittany Collins. Brittany, thank you so very much for agreeing to actually be on my show. Thank you.
1: (laughs) No, I'm so excited to be here. You can't see it, but I'm smiling right now for that awesome introduction. So thank you.
0: No problem. All right. So let's just start with um, a little bit of quick background here. So back in October, uh, everyone's favorite Gestapo and staying on the legacy of uh, Teddy Roosevelt, the NCAA determined that infractions were committed by both the UMass men's basketball team and the women's tennis team. So if you wouldn't mind, if you could just share a little bit of, uh, you know, the backstory uh, and, and just kind of give me an idea, uh, in your words, um, what happened?
1: Yeah, it's um, a little lengthy, so I'll try to keep it short. Um, Don't
0: even worry about
1: it. <laughs> it's a little bit confusing, too, so I'll also try to make it clear. But, um, you know, to my understanding, um, once I'd found out everything, you know, uh, back in October, I was actually just driving home from my tennis practice, and one of my coaches texted me like an NCAA press release, and it just said like UMass gave impermissible benefits of like $9,100 to their athletes so being three years removed from school I really thought yeah. nothing of it and I actually didn't even click on the link I just wrote like oh my god hi I hope you know UMass didn't do anything wrong and they're like no Britt, like click the link uh didn't you play on the team from 14 to 17 because I was a transfer um my sophomore year from New Mexico State mm-hmm. and that's when I was like wait why would they tell me like th- like that specific so I clicked on the link and I was confusingly reading about myself <laughs> in this headline. And I was just like, wait, two tennis girls that moved off campus, there was only two. That was me and my best friend. This is so weird. And I, at the time, I didn't understand what a telecom fee was. But to my understanding now, UMass went through a self uh, investigation, kind of like a self audit, because a basketball player was being honest and said, like, oh, there's like free concert tickets in the spring. I don't want to have this as an impermissible benefit. But turns out like that prompted like an outside investigation but it was actually free to all students so it wasn't like a big deal um and but that that led to UMass finding these telecom fees that were distributed between the men's and women's basketball team uh, men's basketball team and women's tennis and um basically out of the $9,100 myself and my best friend we kind of summed up $504 $252 each Um, And it was meant for a landline, but because we had moved off campus, um, we were no longer entitled to that stipend, to my understanding, which made us ineligible. And um, then we were no longer amateur athletes. And so when UMass found this, they self-reported it to the NCAA. They came to the agreement that um it was like such a minor error it was like obviously done without intent and because umass self-reported it there's kind of incentive to go like a little bit lighter on punishment but um you know originally the ncaa said thank you for coming forward um five thousand dollars self-imposed fine and one two years probation sounds great somewhere a short time after the committee on infractions comes back and said no 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 these girls were clearly having on court advantages Um, therefore from that point forward that year and the following year, even though we only received the stipend my junior year, um, that needs to, all those records need to be vacated, which included, unfortunately, our A-10 title.
0: So, all right.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of confusing.
0: (laughs) Well, so, I mean, I've, I've, and it's, it's funny you know, that you're on now, because I read about this originally back in October, and then a lot of the subsequent articles that followed Howard Bryant's article on ESPN being Mm -hmm. the one that really caught my eye. And my my assumption is that most people that are aware of this story are aware of it from, in part, because of Howard Bryant's article. So one thing that, or actually a couple things that I didn't know is one, this was, this just happened uh, one year, your junior year, yeah. But the NCAA found it sufficient to then punish you for your senior year as well. That, that's yeah. accurate?
1: It's pretty crazy because the fee itself, because they realized kind of like, it was kind of like out of style, archaic, nobody was l- using landlines right. anyways, Right. that the fee in the entire NCAA was discontinued that year. But they said like that $252 affected me for like essentially almost two years which is just so crazy. Um, But the thing that's crazier uh, and I didn't.
0: No, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. So I mean, I was
1: just saying essentially, go ahead. No, you go.
0: So essentially what, what the NCAA is saying that the roughly $2 and 42 cents per week that, that the two of you gained (laughs) somehow created an unfair advantage for UMass tennis, more or less, that's probably the the easiest and, and clearest way to establish the NCAA's thinking. Is that, I mean, am I, am I yeah, way off Yeah, so that?
1: what, no. And and then the bigger problem, and that's kind of what I was gonna say, is that the punishment isn't even just about our like um, small sum of the money. Mm-hmm. It's the fact, so like the telecom fee was the $252, but what happened is actually there was some other very small fees that went to the basketball players mm-hmm. um, for, the, they had off, campus moving like they had issues with their housing as well with some fees so in theory we really should have been treated as a separate case to begin with because Mm -hmm. they had a little bit more like different numbers different amounts of um, players different years they started in 2014 and so I actually got the chance to ask somebody kind of I would say like a little bit closer to the inside, you know, this is crazy that we're being even grouped in with them because it's just actually really two different cases. Mm -hmm. And um, the answer was essentially like, if we don't have time to separate all these cases, like if we did, we would get too bogged down and not really upset me because yeah. So I was just like, you know, that's a crazy response. That's your like only job <laughs> is yeah. to like, you know, monitor these things and like, you know, essentially keep these schools in line. And so um, it's even just crazier than like that. It's the fact that really we should be separated from the men's, you know, team mm-hmm. in an entirely.
0: Well, I mean, the NCAA, as we've seen in the last week now, they, they love to keep the men's and women's things very separate and very different. But apparently in this instance, that's not the case. I mean, I'm, you know, we saw in San Antonio yeah. this past week that it's, it's clear that the NCAA doesn't value women's sports very well with the uh, less than adequate workout facilities, the firefest Fest level food quality. And for reasons that yeah. I can't figure out, different COVID testing. That, when I heard that, that, that just blew my mind. Me. <laughs> uh, what, what, what is it? A different disease for women? I don't, uh, disease, different virus for women than it is for men. I don't, I don't get it. So, I mean, obviously, like, like you said, it's a very archaic fee to begin with a telecom fees so or essentially as, as Howard Bryant eloquently put it, it's basically a phone jack in a room. So,
1: yeah,
0: okay. I, you know, it makes me wonder, uh, you know, how many college kids are even using a landline and it, it does the NCAA think that you and your roommate were, were, dialing into AOL or something to watch film so I I can't figure out how that would be an issue so in terms of you know your communication and the team's communication with the NCAA I'm, I'm curious if there's been any sort of direct communication between you and the organization itself
1: Yeah, that's a great question. And this is one of the points that I've been kind of hammering away at. Um, And, you know, working with some senators on the fact that athletes are like not entitled to like, you know, any process is, you know, any due process, that's like crazy to me. And so, um, like I said, I found out about this investigation by Reading a headline, and that's not to say that I'm upset with UMass for not, you know, telling us. Like, I think their intentions were good. You know, speaking to Ryan, our athletic director, like, I think that they thought that this was like (laughs) such a minor thing that, of course, nobody would ever hear about this, let alone like kind of blow up, um, you know, in the NCAA's face. And so the fact that the NCAA didn't contact me once during the investigation to ask, Hey, did you ever? did you ever spend the $252? Like Mm. that would have, you know, that would have proven that we never even remotely had an advantage because I always say my bank account never dropped below $252. Like I made sure of that in college, Mm -hmm. you know, that that a good, good amount. Like, and so I just like, I think that's like so crazy. And then to go a step further, like now that they essentially in that first press release painted us as cheaters because they're saying on corn advantage, the fact that, I've asked can can I participate in the hearing can I in the appeals process like and they say no the answer is no because it's not an athlete penalty it's an institutional penalty and I'm like what do you mean like that's just a play on words and semantics because I'm like the people you're punishing are the athletes like our AD is wonderful and said they would take a bigger fine more probation to keep the athletes out of it. But the NCAA specifically wants to punish the ones that they claim to protect. So that really struck a nerve with me. And that's why I started the petition because really like that's the only recourse we have.
0: Of course. Yeah. And when it comes to semantics, the NCAA is the uh, reigning Kings of semantics. So <laughs> um, that doesn't surprise me. Now, when exactly is the hearing? Do you, do you know, do you have, so I mean, obviously they won't let you participate, but I'm curious if you you're actually aware if you or if you've been in touch with Ryan Bamford in terms of, hey, this is when the, the appeal hearing is going to take place.
1: Yeah. Ryan's been really great. Um, I try not to harass him. <laughs> yeah. So of course. I yeah, I basically, yeah, just because like we we don't have a um like a play in the hearing, mm-hmm. it's not that not important to me it's just that you know kind of waiting every day to see when the date is um will get me nowhere and I could be more productive I suppose with other things so um it's a dance that goes back and forth to my understanding the PL starts and then you know UMass will submit something and then the NCAA will submit something and I believe they're at the point now where they're trying to schedule it and are having difficulty because I think will be virtual because of COVID right so It's supposed to be, like, any time now, but I think it's going to get pushed back, to be honest.
0: Yeah. And the thing with the NCAA is it's something – I've talked about it on my show a couple of times, and and I could go on for weeks talking about, you know, just the the, the rampant inadequacies and the rampant – I'm trying to think of the right word. Just it's in, it's entire. So this particular instance here is obviously different than say Odell Beckham Jr. handing out wads of cash after you know the LSU title game. Yet it, it's it's an infraction one way or the other. Yet one is being punished this way and another is being punished differently. So it makes no sense. Um, my my very you know uh, small research on the committee for infractions is. I found the guy that's in charge. I won't say his name, but I did find that he retweeted Darren Ravel without uh, irony. So it kind of left me uh, questioning his judgment and his moral character, but that's just me. What do I know? Um, So uh, you you mentioned the petition. And so I I want you to just kind of uh, tell folks where they can go to sign the petition, and then, you know, you've been pretty good about updating the uh, the petition. So um, I'm hoping you can share a little bit more on on the reaction to the petition thus far.
1: Yeah. Um. So the petition is you can always find it on any of my um kind of social media links, but it's change dot org slash um tennis petition i tried to make that easy so people could find it Mm. um and you know actually one of the questions that i've gotten like hey like you know we want to sign like is it too late i would just say like it's never too late to sign even though you know we found out about this in october the more signatures we can get um you know the more positive it is for us even if it doesn't turn out you know in our favor i think it just shows the ncaa like hey this is how many people are really not okay with you know what you've done and the reaction has been honestly like (laughs) such a blessing because I just haven't come across like one person that's been like you guys did something wrong right and we don't agree with you and that's been such a relief to my team and our character and just kind of nice in today's age where like we find it so easy to disagree with everyone Mm -hmm. and I think the petition is more than just trying to get our wins back in our careers and our conference title, because I think the memories are there for us. I think the petition kind of speaks more to people just in general not being okay with the NCAA saying the rules apply here and then and where we want it, but not, you know, in this case or whatever. Because these teams make us money or are more popular or whatever reason it is. And so I think there's just a bigger picture about spreading awareness um, for all people who don't know. And so I'm just like so thrilled with everybody who wants to talk about it, like yourself. Um, It just means like the world to my team and I.
0: Good, good. I'm, I'm, and honestly, like I said, I'm, I'm so happy that you came on to talk about it. We're at 8,227 signatures as of right this minute. So I fully assume that once this goes live on Thursday, we'll have at least two or three more. just because, you know, it's not exactly the biggest podcast on earth, but uh, who knows? No, every, uh, every single signature counts, I would assume.
1: Yes, I say that like more than enough times. And like, honestly, like I could you know, I hope a lot of people listen for your sake, but the fact that I'm just having a conversation with you, it's like one more person that I got to talk to, you know, and talk about the NCAA. It seems like you already know all the kind of shortcomings of the NCAA, but every single time I get a chance to speak about this with someone, like I'm just happy because I feel like I was so unaware until last October. And it just makes me think how many people are also unaware. And so that's, that's like the real opportunity here.
0: Yeah. Awesome. So, Another thing uh, that I found very interesting about you is that Tim Mayotte is your current coach. Is that is that right? <laughs>
1: yeah. Yes, uh, yes.
0: That is amazing. Uh, Tim Mayotte is a legend. Uh, it's it's funny because when I started watching tennis as a kid back in the you know mid to late eighties, Tim Mayotte was uh, uh, unfortunately constantly losing to Yvonne Lendl, but at the same time it was. <laughs> It's, uh, I mean, everybody lost to Yvonne Lendl multiple times at that point, but oh, I, I just okay. thought, I thought that was really cool that, that um, Tim out is your coach.
1: Yeah. I mean, actually I'm like so blessed. You would not think in Boston that we have like a super academy, but we do between him and my other coach, Nico, who coached um, plenty of women in, in the top 100 and Francesca Schiavone, who I believe won the French Open. So, I mean, I'm so blessed in Boston um both of them are great I think it's so funny that you brought up uh Lendl because that is definitely one of the ones we talk about a lot but um, I would hope so
0: but (laughs) I mean that that, Ivan Lendl must haunt his dreams that's the only thing I could think of
1: I love it I'm totally tagging him in this podcast
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah it'll be an uh a minor miracle if uh Uh, Tim Mayotte happens to listen to my show, but that's awesome. Um,
1: He's actually super down to earth. So I'll I'll make sure he, he knows he's a great guy.
0: Springfield's finest, Tim Mayotte. That is, that is so funny. Um, Brittany, listen uh, again, I cannot thank you enough uh, for taking a few minutes to talk. Uh, This is something that uh, I am going to continuously hammer until this gets resolved. And my hope, honestly, is that you get to have um, you know, at least a few minutes uh, in front of these folks to kind of state your case. And, and, and I can imagine that, um, that UMass will be accommodating and, and sort of let you guys uh, you know, speak your piece at the very, very least. Um, yeah make it sure that you guys are heard yeah that's the hope
1: yeah they would they would definitely allow us you know and they've said it they said you know if you were allowed to we would absolutely have you but um it's not their call and uh i think that the ncaa has definitely heard from us and a few other people by now i would
0: would assume so by now (laughs) that uh that they've heard loud and clear and and you know the trouble is they probably hear about things like this constantly. So either they're um, just completely tone deaf, which is probably pretty accurate, or they don't care. It's one of the two. And and that's the troubling part that I can't seem to wrap my head around is, which is it? Do they, are they tone deaf or do they not care?
1: Yeah, I think, I, I think I used to think like benefit of the doubt, very tone deaf. And now I just, I kind of said it the other day, I've gone from like, just being an athlete hoping for the best to kind of being embarrassed to not play for UMass but to play like for the NCAA just because Mm -hmm. I just really don't think they care like it's really about the dollar signs and I know there's plenty of good people inside the NCAA we have to remember it's our schools as well but at the same time like the people in charge definitely just they have not set a great example.
0: No, I agree. All right, Brittany, I will, uh, I will let you go again. Thank you so very much for taking a few minutes. Uh, I will be sure to post links to, uh, to the petition. I'll talk about it on my show this week. And um, you know, again, best of luck to you. Thank you so very much.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: So thank you again, uh, Brittany, for being on the show, for agreeing to be part of this nonsense and uh, for sharing your story. That was awesome. I really wish that uh, more people would have the same reaction uh, when I asked them to be on the show. Although, uh, the funny part is, uh, you know, I I, I sent Brittany a, a message on Twitter like, "Hey, you know, do you want to be on my lousy podcast?" And she immediately said yes with an exclamation point. I was like, "Holy shit!" It's got to be something wrong with this girl. Turns out, she says yes to everybody. So. <laughs> I need to find more people that say yes to everybody uh, that ultimately um, are incredibly interesting. So or have an interesting story like Brittany. And that's that's kind of the idea of the show. I mean, I want to just talk about nonsense and talk about nothing. Everything you ever read about a podcast is like, make sure you have a niche. Make sure you have a very focused topic. Ah, that's boring. I don't want that. I'm going to talk about a bunch of dumb shit. I'm good at that. It's like the only thing I'm good at. So I want to talk about a bunch of dumb shit. Not that what Brittany was talking about was dumb. That's not my point. The NCAA, dumb. Also not dumb. Fucking Tim Mayotte is her coach, huh? Holy shit. That is wild. I forgot that Tim Mayotte was from Springfield, Massachusetts. And uh, I didn't forget that Yvonne Lendl would uh, routinely fucking kick his ass. (laughs) He was like, poor Tim Mayot was like fucking chum in the water for Yvonne Lendl. But the problem was that Mayot came up in just like what I think is the pinnacle of men's tennis that, uh, you know, early on with the uh, Bjorn Borgs and McEnroe, Connors, and then. The mid '80s, when Boris Becker came and Lendl and Stefan uh, Edberg, like those. I mean, it was a fucking battle constantly. That's when tennis was fun. Tennis now is so like fucking boring. And I've talked. I've talked about fucking Novak Djokovic in the in the past, and the guy's just he just comes across like such a dumbass. I mean, he is a dumbass. Great player, What a dumbass. Roger Federer seems like a great guy. Nice guy, but too quiet. I wish he would. It's like Roger Federer is a better Pete Sampras. Pete Sampras never fucking said anything or showed any emotion. Neither does Fed. Except Federer's really good. Sadly, Djokovic might end up being like the best player ever, and the guy sucks as a person. And I could be way off, but I I think he sucks. But uh, I swear to Christ that Tim Mayotte was in a video game and I couldn't find it. I wanted to say it was like a topspin, either like an arcade game. I'm fairly certain. I'm, I'm almost certain that Tim Mayotte was in a video game and I couldn't fucking find it. if he, if, he, if he never got to play top spin the arcade version that game was fucking sick. great game and I'm I'm just I got a weird feeling that he was in a video game so I could be wrong. but uh, yeah, very cool. I implore you to uh, to check out the petition. if you go to change.org uh, and you type in um, you know support a10 champion new mass women's tennis. Or if you just type in UMass women's tennis, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm sure it'll come up for you. Um, as of right now, eight thousand two hundred thirty-one signatures. So I'd like to get that up to eight thousand two hundred thirty-five. So if I could get, if I can get my four listeners to actually uh, sign this thing, that would be awesome. And as Brittany said, any attention that can be brought to uh, to this. Is positive attention. So. Um, I will. I'm going to tweet that out. Um, yeah I'll tweet that out. Just because I want to. But. The story is fucking wild. It really is a crazy story. And as I, I did the math. And it was like two dollars and change a week. For two years. That five hundred. And. Uh, Four dollars. Five hundred and four dollars. The NCAA is going to take away two years worth of wins in a fucking conference title. Like, how do you sit there and say to yourself, "Gee, uh, we really need to bring the hammer down on this tennis team for five hundred bucks"? And I regret because I thought of this question afterward, and I regret, regret, <laughs> regret, I regret, regret not asking. Like. Did it ever come up that they just write UMass a check for five hundred and four bucks? I mean, it's such a minuscule amount of money. Give it back, and here's the here's the problem, too. That I didn't I didn't want to talk about this with Brittany because she has mentioned in in past interviews how you know it it's they're two separate cases: the basketball team and the tennis team. Okay. The UMass basketball team, the history of, of, the, of the program, is littered with violations. Littered. So it makes me wonder if the NCAA is coming down on uh, the tennis team as is, is fucking collateral damage, if you will. You know, more of a, not you fucking guys again, so we're going to punish everybody that's associated with this harshly. So that you learn a lesson, which is horrifically unfair. But I digress. I'm not the only one who's going to sit and fucking scream about the NCAA being shitty. And I don't even fucking care about college sports. That's the weird thing. Like, I'm not like the biggest college sport guy at all. Like, And and you'll hear about it in my three gripes. But yeah, wild, crazy shit. So please go change.org, type it in, um, UMass Women's Tennis. Um, If you listen to the interview, you'll hear, um, you know, what what the actual address was. But check it out, please. I implore you. I don't ask for much around here, but... uh, I'm asking you to to sign a petition. It's not going to fucking kill you. You know what else isn't going to kill you? If you go to my... I started a bonfire page. I'm going to try to sell some gear. Some merch. Some complaints and observations merch. Basically just t-shirts. And because it doesn't cost me anything to actually post these things. So we'll see what happens. Anyways, my first uh, terrible t-shirt idea, is um, a quote from Bob Kraft. Quote, we're not in the business to be in business. We're in this business to win, end quote. That is fucking fire. Bob Kraft is not fucking around at all. I love that quote. So if you go to bonfire.com and search uh, complaints and observations, you'll see my store with one T-shirt. So I'm going to put up some other stuff and, um, you know, hopefully you'll support the show. Hopefully I come up with better T-shirt ideas so that, you know, if you buy a T-shirt, it does, it's not, you know, just you pretending to support uh, uh, the show. It's, um, you know, a good t-shirt. That's the goal. The goal is good (laughs) (laughs) t-shirts. What do you want to be when you grow up, Dave? I want to make good t-shirts. Bonfire.com. Check it out. All right. As it is Thursday, it is time for three gripes. Gripe numero uno, quick engagements. This comes up because uh, two people that I know uh, recently got engaged. Congratulations, folks. Uh, Two different couples, I should say. Uh, One couple, they were together for uh, not quite two years, but close. All right? little quick, but not, you know, that's a reasonable amount of time. The other, nine months. Nine months. Like, all right, you've been with this person for less than a year, yet you've decided you want to spend the rest of your uh, existence with them after nine months. Here's the thing, okay? That's really like a, more like a seven-month relationship. Okay. First two months feeling out period, you know? Uh, there's the initial talking phase, then there's the handful of dates phase, and then all right, you like each other enough that you're gonna, you know, stick it out. You do some making out, some dry humping, whatever. And then, you know, whenever you consummate the relationship, who knows this day's in time, this day's in time, these days and times. You know, it it can be a couple hours with these fucking kids, fuck like rabbits. Not really, that's not true, but maybe it is, who knows. But committing to that sort of thing, it's like, this isn't 1774 or something, buddy. You're not, you don't have to arrange a dowry from her family to try to, uh, you know, maintain uh, an existence here. You, You can be in love with this person after nine months, that's fine. You know, that's okay, there's nothing wrong with that You can know that you're in love with them, but Knowing that you want to marry them, that's a much bigger thing I mean, you can throw I love yous all over the place, you know Who gives a fuck We've all done it, we've thrown I love yous around when you don't really mean it Or, you you know, you you kind of think you do uh, You like the person enough but you think that they want to hear it, so you say it. Maybe maybe it's just me. I don't know. Who knows? I'm pathetic like that. Sappy, pathetic douchebag. But I brought this up to my wife last night, in the conversation we had, it was, it was a pretty substantial conversation. We just talked about how, you know, you need to know. There are things that you need to know about this other person before you can make that decision like you need to you need to fucking see their dirty dirty laundry and 9 months I don't think is enough time not only to like open the closet door and see the skeletons inside but see the literal actual dirty laundry what's going on there because you're going to have to live with that for the rest of your life not just those skeletons but those dirty drawers too Nine months is not enough time. I think eighteen months is the cutoff. That's the minimum because at that point, if you're, you know in your late to mid to late 20s, I would say where you've spent enough time with this other person, um, you know, in your own home, in their home, you see what goes on, you've watched them eat, that's a big thing. You can you can say I'm full of shit, but when you're with someone and they eat like an animal, you can't commit to that because you can't change the way that they eat, it's impossible. And I'm not talking about what they eat, but the physical act of eating. For example, the way that I eat popcorn is disgusting. I eat popcorn like a goddamn savage. And it's not because I really love popcorn. It's just I can't... For some reason, I can't handle popcorn. So if I was basing my all of my relationships on the way that I eat popcorn, I would be a lonely, single, sad, pathetic, filthy popcorn eater for my entire life. But again... That is just a very small, small example of the things that need to be sorted out before you spend money on a ring and propose. So, if you're listening to this and you happen to be single, uh, heed my words. Okay? If you are in a relationship and you're young, heed my words. If you're in a relationship and you're old, (laughs) <laughs> and you're not uh, married. Heed my words. I know what I'm talking about when it comes to relationships, I guess. I don't know. I've been in enough. And I, I found someone uh, who whom not only I love, but I can live with. And I enjoy it. So that's the idea is you need to figure that shit out. There you go. Gripe number two. Uh, The NCAA tournament. More specifically, uh, upsets. Uh, First problem, it fucks with gambling. So, that drives me nuts. I haven't been gambling much because my book is gone. So, I haven't been gambling much. But, I've gambled a little bit. And have... Gotten bit by these fucking upsets. This is a ton. Second, I don't need to hear uh, a a touching backstory uh, on on the kids who go to a school named for and founded by a shitty uh, preacher. So maybe this gripe is really just Oral Roberts. As a whole. And not so much NCAA tournament upsets. But it, you know, all kind of fits together. Oral Roberts. Uh, came up as a. Quote faith healer. End quote. That's right. A faith healer. Ugh. In Oklahoma. Apparently. Did a lot of traveling. And did a lot of. Preachy bullshit through the 50s and 60s. And then in 1963, founded the, the Oral Roberts University. Because apparently he was following an order from God. That's right. Good fucking grief. So all of this already is just... <sighs> Bananas. Bananas. <clears throat> Every single student that goes to Oral Roberts has to sign a fucking honor code. Which outlaws, quote, theft, lying, dishonesty, gossip, slander, backbiting, whatever the fuck that is, profanity, vulgarity, including crude language, sexual promiscuity, including adultery, any homosexual behavior, premarital sex, drunkenness, immodesty of dress, and last on the list, occult practices, end quote. So all of that other shit is worse than apparently worshipping the devil or being part of a cult, according to Oral Roberts. So that just kind of gives you an idea of how things are fucking structured over there. And they hammer the fuck out of the no homosexual behavior shit. As that school is absurdly and strongly anti-gay, it's mentioned multiple times in their student handbook. They don't like gays, and this sort of ties into the NCAA and their rampant hypocrisy. You know, they'll they'll talk about equality, and then not give two fucks about the uh, the women's tournament which I also learned apparently the women's tournament is not called March Madness. Even though the NCAA has trademarked that specifically to use for men and women in their respective tournaments. Um, but they don't, they're not using. So when you watch the women's tournament, March Madness is not emblazoned on center court like it is for the men. But they also talk about equality and uh, LG, T B Q um, rights and equality and shit like that. Yet, they let in uh, a school that is vocally and rampantly anti-gay. First, first and foremost, I don't understand why Oral Roberts gives a fuck what these kids do. As long as they're paying to go to their private Christian university, what the fuck do they care? They also ban shorts in class. You can't wear shorts in a class at Oral Roberts. What the fuck is that about? Excuse me. Now look, it's a private institution. They can do whatever the fuck they want. And if they find people dumb enough to pay them an absurd amount of money to attend, so be it. It's fine. But I sure as shit don't need the Tom Rinaldi-esque piece on the scrappy bunch representing Oral Roberts. Don't need it. Don't want it. And, uh, I, you know, I hope they lose. No offense to the kids. I feel bad for the kids. But they chose to go there. In their instance, I mean, it might be where that was the only place they can get a scholarship. And if that's the case, fine. You go and you get educated for free. But you have to wear that O R U emblazoned across your chest. You're representing this fucking shitbag Oral Roberts, whose own son fucking shot himself because he was gay. Yeah, yeah. Grave number three: Kurt Schilling. Kurt Schilling, the ball player, big fan. Kurt the person, he's incredibly annoying. For a guy that has said repeatedly over the years that he hates the media, he sure loves fucking talking to the media. He did an interview with USA Today last week, the newspaper that would stain your fingers into a fucking rainbow, saying that he was moving out of Massachusetts because, quote, it hasn't been a real pleasant experience in Boston, end quote. Now, what the fuck is this guy talking about? 2004 is that when he got here so we're talking 17 years now that he's lived in the area he bought a big fucking house in medfield with the longest driveway in the state apparently or at least it was when it was built so no one's gonna fucking bother you you're out on a fucking island in medfield And people loved you in this town for a long time. And even when he fucking took his failed video game company to Rhode Island, some of us applauded the guy uh, for ripping them off instead of Massachusetts. Myself being one of them. If they were stupid enough to give you 80 million bucks, that's on them. That ain't on you, Kurt. So... Nicely done there. But the guy has tons of fans in this state. And that includes a huge amount of politically like-minded folks. A huge amount. There's a ton of them out there. Way more than you probably think. But he always needs to play the fucking victim. Always. So he's taking his ball and he's leaving. He's going to Tennessee. Where apparently people are nicer because they think exactly like he does. So that's why he has to go there. He can't stand people who think differently than him. Which is well within his right. But you can't on one hand say that you hate the media and then on the other are constantly talking to the media. You say shit to get a rise out of people. It works. And then you're in the news again, which is exactly what old red light is always looking for. Never fails. It makes me wonder if he has like this really uh, weird just need for attention, like a like a prepubescent uh, teenager, constant need for attention. Look at me. Look at me, 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 me. That's probably what it is, more than anything. said he just craves attention. And I hate the fact that I've just ended my show talking about fucking Kurt Schilling, but so be it. This one went on. This was a long, unorganized swale of a show. Yikes. I hope you didn't fast forward through some of this shit, but if you did, yeah, you know can't say I blame you all that much. But I hope you didn't. I hope you fucking stuck around. At the very least, you stuck around for the interview. Because it was pretty good. So, as always, um, thank you for listening. I appreciate it. Uh, Tell your friends. Tell your mom. Um, If you want to be on the show, if you know anybody that wants to be on the show, um, let me know shoot me an email, showmail at complaintsandobservations.com. I have a Twitter page, at ComplaintsPod. I have an Instagram page, at ComplaintsPod. I have a Facebook page, but fuck Facebook. I have a YouTube page that I don't use. I have a website that I don't use, com, that I have to renew next month. I don't have the kind of expendable income that I had when I started this thing. Ugh, man. Um, but that's all until next time, America. Thank you. Take care of yourself. Take care of each other. Godspeed. Ta-ta.